Hello, I'm Michael. And I'm Steph. And this is the Chef Campers podcast. Join us for the next 60 minutes as we discuss camper van cooking adventures. Right. Hi, Steph. Hi, Mike. Let's start the podcast, eh? Okay. Uh, I thought we'd start with a drink because, you know, usually when I do the cooking videos, I have a drink. So I'm going to reach onto my, the roof. Yeah, I do know that. <laughs> and I'm going to open up a bottle of beer. This is Brasserie du Mont Blanc, La Rousse, which is a bit of a red beer. It's one of my favourite beers from the area. Um, you might have a bit of this, but what, what else have you got that I... you made before this? I've got a coffee from the coffee machine. Mm. We do love that coffee machine, yeah. don't we? Right, let's do a little... Um, I'm conscious a lot of people won't know who we are or what, what we're about. So let me do a little introduction. Um, we are... Well, like we said, I'm Mike, my wife's Steph, and we've got a little dog called Rupert who you might hear snore in the background. Um, the three of us are, I guess, the biggest part of Chef Campers, and Chef Campers is our camper van cooking adventure blog that we run on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. And it basically, we started in 2015, and we did, um, we kind of just did little cookery videos and stuff like that, but it wasn't really that big or, or, or that, you know, different. It was just kind of mucking about when we ever had time off and that sort of stuff. But then in 2018, it was kind of a big, big moment for us, wasn't it? Because, sorry, I've just put them because of that beer. Um, <laughs> in 2018, okay. it was quite a big, quite a big moment for us because we decided that we were going to sell everything we had. We were going to sell our cars, furniture, sell our house, get rid of all of our clothes, all of that, like go out down a minimalist route, would you say? Yeah, definitely. And... We sold pretty much everything and we moved into our camper van. Uh, it was a Volkswagen T25 Westphalia Synchro Atlantic, which if you aren't really into Volkswagens or you're not a nerd like me, it's a pretty special van. It's a four-wheel drive, kind of 80s box shape Volkswagen camper van. And it was it was the Atlantic Westphalia edition, which was really, really rare. They built about 15 of them in the world, which, you know, was... I can understand why, because they were quite expensive, and actually there were quite a few things with them, wasn't there? But we'll talk about that another time, maybe. Anyway, we moved into this little van, and it is quite a tiny van. It can fit in a normal car parking space, has a pop-top roof. And we set off on an adventure. Um, should we list the countries, maybe, that we went to? Yeah. Do you want to... Or maybe I'll... Maybe I'll... Because I'm, I'm the navigator in a way, aren't I, I guess? So I think... France, you correct me though. Okay. I think France, then Andorra. Then Andorra. So we went, kind of France. Went to Bordeaux, then down the west coast of west coast of France. Then we kind of touched San Sebastian briefly in the Basque region, before heading over the Pyrenees through Andorra, to the other coast. Um, then to Girona, where we met up with some friends. John and Jen, and then we came down the east coast of Spain from the Bay of Roses. We then came down like is it Costa Brava, something like that, like where Alicante is and Benidorm is, which you know we're not wouldn't be in a rushing to go I back. Yeah. But we did catch up with Lee's mum and Jean Colette yeah. <laughs> there, and we had a great party. And girl. yeah, it turned turned a non-drinker into a drinker, which is always an achievement. And then went from there down Andalusia, further yeah. south, 
Spain. Punty came out then. We had, we had a friend come out for 24 hours for a holiday. Then we went into the southern part of Portugal, onto the Algarve. Yeah. And then from there, we went north in Portugal to Serra de Estrela region, which is a mountain region of Portugal, which actually has a ski resort. Yeah, it has a ski resort. <laughs> it, one ski lift, I think, which is a drag lift, and they see snow maybe every three or four years. But we saw snow that year, yeah, didn't we? Yeah, And then from there, I think we went west over towards the west coast of Portugal, which went to Porto, which we loved, and down to Sintra, then to Lisbon, then followed the coast all the way around, past Nazaré, the big wave place where the Red Bull big wave championships were, and then followed the coast all the way back round to the Algarve, before then blasting back to the UK in like two and a half days. I don't know if you remember that. It was quite yeah. intense. We used to joke about having like when we first started camping and we'll talk about it in a minute. But when we first started camping, we had a an old van and going 100 miles was a bit of a deal for us. And I don't know when we drove back from the Algarve that time, we were doing like 800 miles a day for over you know, two and a half days or whatever it was. And yeah, we got back. It was intense. It was intense. It was an intense drive. And there I did the NEC Cookery Motorhome yep. Caravan Exhibition, which is one of the largest in Europe, if not the world. It was on the main stage doing a cookery demo. And then we went to the Arctic Circle. So we drove then France, Belgium, through Holland, through Germany, up into Denmark, then into Norway, up to the top of Norway, into the Arctic Circle, across into Finland, then down Finland, into Sweden, then back round to Denmark, and then back down, spent time in Denmark, then back down into Germany, a bit of time in Germany, and then slowly made our way back again. Before then setting off again, leg number three, which was a memorable one, because leg number three, we were heading towards Eastern Europe, so Bosnia, uh, Croatia, Liechtenstein, we wanted to cover, and... Um, our engine blew up in the camper van. We, we made it to France. <laughs> yeah, we made it to France. We were at the Hot Air Balloon Festival in Metz. Do you remember that? Yeah. Where I think they've got the world record for the most amount of hot air balloons being launched at any one time. And it's a hot air balloon festival that's hosted every two years. And there's pretty much free camping on the airfield for it. It, which was, we it just... was great though, wasn't it? It was great to see. We just stumbled across balloons. it by complete accident as well, which is yeah. like everything that happened to us on the road. But it was a heat wave and it was like six in the morning, the hot air balloons would go yeah. over. Whoosh, <laughs> and then in the evening, whoosh, I don't know if I told you this, but I remember lying in bed one evening and thinking to myself, if I've ever, ever made it, ever made like really done well for yourself, having a hot air balloon with whatever picture you want on it <laughs> would be my version of success. What picture would you have on it? I'd keep it. I don't know, Steph. That's a that's a question I can't answer on this. Okay. It might be something really silly, or it might just be Chef Camper's logo, or it might not be. It might be you and Rupert. Oh, yeah, maybe Rupert. <laughs> yeah, maybe Rupert. Rupert yeah, we'll get a Rupert balloon. hot air balloon. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, so we went there, and when then we were in Germany in the mountains, we uh, yeah we had an engine fail, didn't we? It's not yeah. the first engine failure we've had. No, it's not. <laughs> the Is that number two? That was number, number two. Three. But number two happened on the trip. Num engine failure number one happened on our honeymoon. Yeah. So, you know. On the last day of the honeymoon, though, within eight miles of the ferry to Dunkirk. Yeah, so close. So close, but not close enough to get UK yeah. breakdown. 
we were the van was stuck in Europe for two months or whatever it was. But it meant that we got a really good engine after that. Yeah. Because we thought we're going to keep this van. So after the honeymoon, we invested. I don't think I've ever told you how much it was. It was a lot of money that we invested in that van. We had to buy a whole new engine, which was built by supposedly someone who was best in the business. The gearbox rebuild, which was amazing. Suspension, which was terrible. Um, and a load of it, like we got disc brake upgrades and we got loads of stuff done to, to the van, like mechanically. And uh, unfortunately the engine failed, which is still a bit of a sore subject for me because he's, you know, it is, I, I know I said I wouldn't talk about it, but there you go. Anyway, so we kind of came back, didn't we? And then we were, we changed the summer over again. So third engine now on the, on that van. And we came out to Morzine last winter where we, yeah. we were working in accommodation. So we didn't have to stay in our van, didn't have to live in our van anymore because we'd spent like two years living in it. And we, um, we had accommodation, but then we moved from that job and we moved to a job that didn't include accommodation. So we had to we live moved it. back into the van. Yeah, didn't we? we started living in the van again whilst working as I was working as a private chef, which was it was quite intense. Six yeah. days a week living in a van whilst working. I but, was waitressing and helping yeah, you. You were helping. Wasn't I? Um, but my favourite job I've ever had, I think it was. Uh, we enjoyed it, didn't we? It was good fun. It's good fun. So that was it really, That uh, we kind of did that last winter, then it ended with Covid, we did Covid camp, which we might talk about in a minute, um, and then we went back to the summer, to Camper Van Culture, Jed, Lou and Isaac, and we swapped our vehicle, so we swapped from that really reliable van you heard us talk about, and we switched to a new setup, so now we've got a Volkswagen Amarok, um, with a demountable habitation pod on the back, which has got a shower, heating, full bed, kitchen, 85 litre fridge freezer, cruise control, climate control, leather seats, heated leather seat. We've got luxury now, yeah. haven't we? Yeah. Um, which is quite good. So yeah, so that's that's kind of what's, that, that was a very brief overview of what we've done. Of course, yeah. Where we've been. But I thought, Steph, I would do a couple of questions because we might, if this goes all right and people can tolerate the fact that we're doing this on iPhone and haven't got a proper setup with a decent microphone, which we might do if this is, goes all right, we'll get a proper, you know, podcast setup going. But if it goes all right, maybe we'll have a couple of guests on and we'll speak to them. They don't always have to be camper van people, just people who like adventure and can talk about food because I'm always interested in that. And if they like a drink, then great. We'll share a, we'll share a bevy, eh? Right. <laughs> Okay, let's let's go then. So let's start like the beginning. Um, so to fund, we always get asked, how did you fund your trip? So how did we fund it, Steph? Well, we renovated our house and then sold it. Mm. We did. We set out a pledge to renovate it in 12 weeks, film an episode every week for Facebook and put it on the market after 12 weeks, sell it and the profit was going to fund the first part of our trip. Which we did that, yeah, but there was did. a few, <laughs> there was a few stumbling blocks along the way. <laughs> what was your most memorable stum stumbling block? Do you think? Probably when your appendix burst. That was a bit of a stumbling block. I wasn't. Was I wasn't actually <laughs> going to say at the time I had to go to hospital. I think it was yeah. week eight or something. I burst my appendix and had to have surgery. I think it was for me. It was when we had to cut in that wall on the hallway to add an extra bedroom to the house. Because um, it was a full renovation, we had to put in a new bathroom, we had to put in a new bedroom with a new wall, to set a separating wall, stud wall, 
had to plaster all the rooms, the ceilings, new lights, new electronics. There was a new boiler that got put in. It's quite a lot of work, but yeah, yeah that, that, that time we had to cut that hole and orange dust went everywhere. <laughs> I just remember looking at, looking at Rupert and what's that cat that's orange? Garfield. Yeah, <laughs> he looked like Garfield. <laughs> and Rupert is, for those who don't know, Rupert is, is a white cabochon. It is a Bichon crossed with a Cavalier King Charles. So he's a white fluffy dog. So we looked bright orange. And, and I, you looked bright orange. I looked bright orange. You look bright orange. Yeah. You look like you just had a spray tan. Just been so Just for a spring time. And uh yeah, it was um it was really it was it was a horrible moment that actually because we just even our bed was covered in dust. There's nothing when you're cutting a hole in your hallway, there's nothing you can do. Dust is gonna get everywhere. Like, we did dust sheet ev everything we could, but yeah, it was gonna go everywhere. everywhere. Yeah. So yeah, that was but we did sell it, we made a profit, and that profit funded our trip which I guess leads me on to the next section, which is before we kind of went on this trip, we'd only really experienced like a week off at a time because we both had busy lives and busy jobs, didn't we? Yeah. Yeah. Like I was obviously a chef with Kieran at the time. Before that I had a corporate job, but I was a chef with Kieran at the time. So that was like five to seven days a week with kind of a split shift. And you were a theatre tech. Yeah. In an animal hospital? Yeah. So what was that sort of... What yeah, sort so of... and that was working full-time and there was a bit of a commute and so we never really got to see each other, did we? No. It was a two-hour commute either way for you if I couldn't pick you up or drop you off. And you were working with animals, which are unpredictable. Yeah. They say I don't work with animals <laughs> or kids. And you worked with animals and now you work with a kid. A big one. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so we didn't see each other much, did we? So we only really had like a week at a time to enjoy the van, which kind of left only Northern Europe. And obviously we we broke down on our honeymoon once. But do you remember our very first van? Yeah, Vinny. Yeah. Do you remember how we bought it? I don't remember the night. <laughs> <laughs> we were we were really drunk. And I remember seeing it on eBay. And Keir, our friend, had just been round maybe a month before with his T25. He was six foot four and he he was in a tin top and he was showing me pictures of him travelling around to Scotland or whatever. And I just, I don't know, we just kind of got a bit drunk and bought it. It was within eight miles of our house and we bought it unseen. In fact, I've, I've never bought a van that I've seen before I paid for it, which is a complete no-no, but you know. Anyway, it was a good van, that. But it our, was, it was a good van. Our first camping trip. Yeah, the Lake District in in November, wasn't it? End of October, beginning of November, because we had Halloween and Guy Fawkes Night. Yeah. And I remember we had to... We I had an apartment in the city centre at the time. And we had to lift a futon sofa down <laughs> three sets of stairs to chuck yeah. it in the back of the van to use as our makeshift bed, do you remember? Yeah. <laughs> that was really bad, wasn't it? And we had a portable camping table and a portable gas stove. And that was it. No yeah. night heater, no leisure batteries. We had curtains, and then we thought we were quite posh because we had curtains. <laughs> they were nice curtains, double lined, blackout. How were we not cold? Ah, uh, we were a bit younger. Um, and I think we just wrapped up, like very heavily. Yeah. We slept in jackets, I think, which was good because it got us used yeah. to like future stuff, Arctic and COVID. Yeah. Um, so that's where it kind of started. And I, I think it was then I realised I enjoyed that more than anything else that we'd done. And obviously I had a history of 
going travelling in motorhomes with my grandparents and yeah. stuff. So it's it's always it's always been a thing I've done. But for you, I guess. No, I did as well as a kid. Oh yeah, that's right. I yeah. used to go camping and. That was a Volkswagen as well. Yeah, rare a Volkswagen. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so I guess uh, it is kind of in our blood then. It is, yeah. Um. So that was our first van, and we had, oh, I think we had four or five T25s. Three of them were synchronous and four-wheel drive ones. Um, so that was our first trip. But then we'd only really, like I said, we'd only really had like five or six days, hadn't we? So it was never really a trip trip. It was just a short holiday, it was a I guess. a short trip. Yeah, and it was always like, because it was a holiday, we could just, wanted to, we could pay to stay at a campsite. Yeah. We could eat out. I think it was a weekend. Yeah. It was just a couple of days away. Yeah, it was nice though. Yeah. Um, but I thought I would like talk about well, what's, where's the first place we've been to where we experienced that moment where it's not a holiday, it's not a like a short term trip. It's like a, an extended trip, something that allows you almost to immerse yourself, and the difference between a holiday and travel. Yeah, I, it was probably Bordeaux. That was like our first destination. And we wanted to go there to look a bit more at the food and the wine. Yeah. Yeah, we didn't really drink um, much wine or know much about it before then, did no, we? No, we learnt a bit, didn't we? We did. We learnt, we learnt more than a bit, I think, Steph. <laughs> we, uh, <laughs> well, yeah Bordeaux, yeah, Bordeaux was our first place, wasn't it, where we could yeah. actually say, you know, we're in no brush, we could take our time. And it was the first time where we could, I guess, say yes to something, knowing it wouldn't impact the schedule. Yeah. So I remember, like we we went and had a look at, um, we stayed at Arcachon Bay, which for me was when time really just stood still, because Arcachon Bay is the place uh, within like the Bordeaux region where they they're really famous for their their oysters. So it's where they a lot of the oysters are harvested, and you know the the farmers out there are, are all based in Arcachon Bay. And we kind of camped up just on the harbour. And we'd, I'd watch these like fishermen guys just go out first thing in the morning, and just think to myself, "That's not me anymore. I'm not. I'm not doing that just mm. yet." And I was a bit jealous of them actually, because it, you know, it was, it was a calm water, sunrise, nice boat chugging along, and then they'd come back in later on that evening with like all the oysters, and then the oysters would be carried ten feet across the road, which the road was made from oyster shells because it was all the dropped shells, yeah. and it was just covered in oysters. And into these little fish shacks where you could have an oyster snack. And then eventually onto the restaurants of Bordeaux and Paris and everywhere else in France and around the world. But yeah, that was that was the place where it dawned on me, I think. And I think we we were in Bordeaux for five weeks and then it was just like we thought, right, we'll stay we'll stay this one night at this one place before we go to our next destination, which is further down the coast, the Basque region, San Sebastian. And um we stopped at Benoit's place. Now, Benoit is, well, I guess I consider him a good friend now. Benoit and his family run a, a, a relatively small chateau in Bordeaux making wine. And when you have, like, part for a night or... Uh, there's, there's another one I've, I've forgotten its name now. French Passion, it was called. That's what it used to mm. be called. Where you can stay over at, um, like, farmer's land, whether it be winemakers or cheesemakers. And you can generally stay over for free, but it's kind of good... It's good manners to maybe buy a couple of bottles of wine or maybe some cheese or something like that. So we went with the intention, we'll pick up some wine and we'll have a free night stay at a chateau. And, you know, we just did it, didn't we? We said, yeah, yeah, let's just do that. And it was a bit last minute. Anyway, we turned up. Do you remember the night with Benoit? Yeah, it was, we had a great time. <laughs> we had a little wine tour, yeah. didn't we? Yeah. 
We had a bit of a party when we got back to the van because we had lots of wine. We ate a bit of cheese that night and Benoit drank quite a bit with us. And we filmed it actually. We filmed an episode for that on Chef Campus. Yeah, the day after. And the day after Benoit had to get up because it was it was like three days a year where they pick the red grapes for the for the wine. And uh, it just dawned on me that he'd spent the whole evening drinking with us and having a good time with us. And the next day was one of the most important days of his business, you know, harvesting the, the grapes. And that's how he makes his money for the rest of the year. So to risk all that by having a night out with me before was a bit... I admired it, actually. So even much so that we uh, volunteered, didn't we? Yeah. So I got on his tractor at quarter to six the next morning after going to bed about two o'clock in the morning. And I went out picking grapes with him and we filmed a little episode on that and it was good. I really, I really, good. yeah, and we bought a lot of wine from Benoit, we still do, and I very much want their shadow to be part of our future in Chef Campers. I think it'd be nice if we could always stock their wine if we ever do a banquet or whatever. What do you reckon? Sounds good. Yeah. We'd so like that to was, see Benoit again. Wouldn't yeah, we? we're going to try and pull in maybe on the way back, but we'll have to just see with the whole COVID thing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I've met Benoit since then. Yeah. We were at the rugby in Twickenham. He was supporting France, I was supporting England, and England won, and so we had to buy the Guinness in. Um, yeah, great fun. So I guess that was our first place that we'd kind of experienced travel rather than a holiday. I then thought maybe we could maybe talk about the most memorable camp spot we've been to or we've had. So what do you reckon most most memorable? I would have to say COVID camp or lockdown camp. <laughs> yeah, yeah, COVID camp. <laughs> <laughs> so but it's so it means a lot to us now doesn't it really and yeah. it's so lovely and we're quite precious about the space now we stayed there for such a long time because we we're kind of well we should really explain what yeah. covid camp is because a lot of people won't know or won't have seen it before but basically when covid19 hit we were still in morzine in france in the alps working as a private chef i was cooking till about half 10 that morning and the cutoff time was midday 12 o'clock and from midday at 12 o'clock, you had to basically stay in your house, not leave your house. Uh, and in France, it was a bit different. So if you wanted to leave your house, you had to have paperwork explaining where you were going, your reason for travel and what time you left your house. Because you were, you were only allowed out for a maximum of an hour. And because we didn't have a house and we lived in a van, it was we were a bit worried about where we'd put our address down as because we didn't really have one. So we decided at like... That morning, we're going to run to the mountains. Run to the hills. Run to the hills. We actually heard that song. So our, our friends from work gave us a big care package full of fruit, vegetables. And cake. Cake, food, all this sort of stuff. We stocked up on, on the booze as well, a little bit. Yeah, yeah. And we drove up this mountain. And as we got to the top of the mountain, it was it was quite a tricky path, actually. There was a lot of snow on the, on the road and stuff like that. And we got up to the top and it was just paradise, wasn't it? Yeah. Big rock formation, big massive lake, our own little camping patch with there was a picnic table picnic there. Table. Um and nobody was there because everybody was pretty much under house arrest, which meant we had the whole place to ourselves. But we couldn't really explore the area because we couldn't really leave the van because we didn't want to get found by the police or stopped by the police yeah. or anything like that. So we didn't want to risk it. So we just kinda stayed next to the van for the whole time and I don't know how many weeks it was we were there for. But it was a it, it was, was a, a long time. Yeah, maybe five, six weeks. We um, went from winter to spring. Yeah, because when we first got there, we were we had about ten days of heating in our in our LPG underslung tank, which was which was filled to the brim. 
but we had about 10 days of heating if we wanted to be comfortable because it the temperatures varied from minus 10 to plus 15 um and we knew we weren't going to be able to fill up our heating for quite a long time so we really had to ration it didn't we yeah. Do you remember how cold it was? Yeah, it was really cold. We never we filmed an episode every day. We vlogged every day and put a video up on Facebook, and it was great because people can't. We cheered like we had cheers with people. People would send in their cheers videos. It kept us going. I think it kept a few other people going, and it was great to film every day. But it was cold. It was it really was really cold. Rupert's water bowl froze, didn't it? And yeah. Inside the van, which like was how cold it was. But then when the sun came, it went really warm. Yeah. It just changed. Yeah, we but went. it was lovely because we could just sit out then. We did. We sat out quite a lot then at yeah. the picnic table every day. Yeah, we had our French lunches, the wine, the cheese yeah. and the cake. Yeah, we rationed yeah. the cake, had some cheese, had some wine, just took in the views. Yeah, it's pretty nice that. that I, I yeah. think for me that's probably my most memorable kind of camp spot as well, Covid camp. Yeah. Um, but we've been back there since, haven't we, like this season? Yeah, and it's it's not the same because obviously it's quite busy now and there's loads of people there. Loads of people. It's absolutely packed. Loads of people and horses. And, ho and yeah, there was horses there and donkeys. We were parked there last week and there must have been about 40 cars in this little car park all squeezed each other in. Mm. And um, to think we had that whole place and area to ourselves was just very lucky at that time. We yeah, made the most of it, didn't we? we did. So yeah, COVID camp is probably my most memorable spot. And that is, it's near a town called Abundance, which is famous for its cheese. And it's up uh, by a lake there. So if you, yeah, if you see us on Instagram or Facebook, then you can, you can see pictures of that from our old time. Or if you check out our old lockdown video series, like the daily vlog yeah, that we did, yeah. just to get a, a feel for what COVID was like at the very start for us. If only we knew what we knew now, hey? Right, let's move on. So the next thing I thought we might talk about, considering that we're called Chef Campers, is food, Steph. So, most memorable plate of food you've had on the road. It doesn't matter if you've cooked it, I've cooked it, or someone else has cooked it, or Rupert's cooked it. Um, most memorable plate of food. I think it would and, matter if Rupert cooked it. I think that well, would be quite you know, I don't know. He might amazing. Have, he might have pulled a salmon out of a wild <laughs> lake and it landed on the rock and we all tucked in. Uh, I doubt it, but you know, you never know. You might learn. Um, but it doesn't have necessarily have to be the best plate of food or the most mm. extravagant plate of food. Just something that's I memorable. Remember. Yeah. Okay. Or just something that's like you look back on fondly. I definitely remember, and actually, this is one of my most most enjoyable things was when you made Christmas dinner on the cob, and it was we were in Portugal. In the little camp spot, um, Bunhei to Sarah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we'd we'd pulled up at this lovely little camp spot in Portugal, and there was nobody there, just us, and it had a little shack there with some wood that you could use. Yeah. Um, and it was by a little like stream, and it was really nice. And Christmas Day, it was the first time. Well, it's the first Christmas Day we'd really had together because. Um, one of us was either working in the past and we yeah. never got to spend Christmas together. So, and you, you made it all on the cob. And it's <laughs> like, we were in Portugal, but we had a proper Christmas dinner with Yorkshire puddings. Yeah, we did, we I did a full it. Christmas spread. And I remember that town in Portugal. It was amazing, actually, for Christmas because it was a high mountain village. So it was quite cold. 
It felt quite festive. Yeah. They had Christmas lights on. It was only a tiny little village. And they had that massive bonfire in the centre of yeah. the village, didn't they? Do you remember? Yeah. They lit it on Christmas Eve and it was enormous. And it was literally melting the people's frames on the front of their houses. It was that big. And they had to remove the telephone box to stop that from melting. <laughs> Um, it was just huge, enormous, and apparently they do it every year, and it's to signal to people that it's a tradition, isn't it? Yeah, it's a signal to people like who are travelling on the road through the mountains that here's a warm, dry place for you to rest over the Christmas period. And I think that fire burns for ten or twenty days. I don't know, quite a long time. Yeah, we should check. But yeah, I'd like to go back there maybe. Yeah, I would. It was a nice place. Was. Yeah, who would have thought? A eh? Portugal had snow, yeah. and they had coffee. It was really oh, cheap. Yeah, coffee was like forty cents. Yeah. A mug and we could just sit in the cafe couldn't we just overlooking the mountains and yeah. god yeah portugal what a what a surprising place that was for us like go away from the algarve and the other places and you you know when we we really enjoyed that northern part in the mountains yeah that was that was really nice so what about you i i like really love the christmas dinner what about you uh, it's like you know when someone asks you what what's your favorite meal to cook or what's the meal you'd have if you were going to die it's just a question that I, you know how how much I love food. I could eat everything. But I think the most memorable, probably because it was at the start of the trip and it just, everything just, I felt really like a hippie at this point. But it was probably that place I spoke about before, Ocachon Bay, where the roads are made of oysters. And I remember we just went in this little shack and it was just a shack. But on the other side of it was this picnic table that overlooked Ocachon Bay, the lake. And it was just timed at sun sunset, and we I just we just ordered this big plate of oysters, all different types of oysters, different numbered oysters, because you know it's different mm. numbered depending on what type, and just like a, a platter of like the prawns and all that sort of stuff with the bread and the white wine. And I remember just sitting there and <coughs> I don't know how many oysters I had, maybe about fourteen <laughs> or fifteen, because I think she thought we were sharing them and you didn't have any, you didn't have them, but. I think I necked them all and I was didn't regret it one bit and we just we finished like a couple of bottles of wine and we staggered back to the van which was around the corner and just it's when you could sit out past six o'clock yeah now we're under curfew in France at the moment we have to be inside after six o'clock we can't go outside so uh, just sitting out late that evening Mm. that was I mean there's been loads I mean I always can I give you one or can it maybe one more I think when we we were on this peninsula in, in Spain and um, we had this tiny little peninsula to ourselves that overlooked a lake that was big red rocks and I put my asado cross mm-hmm. down by the waterfront and found all this driftwood that I could burn and it burnt really clean and gave off a nice aroma and I just smoked some fish, some sea bream I think it was and some other stuff. I filmed the sea bream but we filmed it, we had a, our own little banquet that evening at sunset and then we went in the lake afterwards and we bathed. It was quite, uh, yeah, I remember thinking, because that was the first place we could technically walk around naked and not be worried about anyone seeing us. So I remember feeling like, oh, I'm free. You know, just, oh, take it all off, walk around. It was great. Free in the mountains. Free in the mountains, yeah. Don't think I'd do that again. But it was good. It was good. Not in the Arctic Circle. No, no. Oh, yeah, I mean... That's not making me hungry because I had a, a lovely dinner tonight anyway, so it was, um, but yeah, maybe recreate those meals sometime yeah. in those places, who knows. Right, I think let's move on because I think, 
you know, place. We could get carried away. We could get carried away with the food. food. There is so yeah. much to talk about, isn't there? Yeah. So, if, I mean, if anyone likes this podcast and has got any questions about food, whether it's how do you, how would you cook this on the road or where would you eat here or recommend a place for us to go to, then, yeah, let us know. Um, but I thought we'd move on because I think the travel thing for us, we've learned a lot. And not only is there food, uh, it, you know, and there's places, there's people, isn't there? And they often kind of bridge that gap for a travel experience. So I thought I would ask, what is the kind of most memorable or someone, someone you've met on the road, good or bad, friendly or not, that's kind of really, really struck an impact on you? Do you think, um, or just at a time you've enjoyed spending with someone, maybe? Yeah. That wasn't me, because you were like, we're always <laughs> with each other in the, you know. In, yeah, Rupert. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, Jack. Mm. Jack, who we met and we still speak to now. And we spent a lot of time with in Lofoten, Lofoten, Lofoten maybe? Lofoten. In the Arctic in, Circle in Norway. Yeah, in Norway. So I should really give a little detail on Jack, because yeah. he is incredible, isn't he? Yeah. So Jack. Jack Mack, also known as Bicycle Touring Apocalypse on Instagram, drives a Synchro, has been living in a Synchro, I don't know how many years now, five, six years maybe. Um, professional kayak instructor, amazing professional photographer, nighttime photography. Uh, he's a bike packer, he, he jumps on his bike and he rides long distance with a, just like one, one fork that's been cut in half to save weight. Uh, just really, just super super nice guy but also a bit of an action man and i don't i don't mind telling you this because i think this is quite funny lee and brett are friends brett fancies jack so there you go jack you've got a secret admirer there brett uh, lee yeah lee told me so it's all right lee yeah, knows okay. but yeah brett fancies um fancies jack i think or maybe lee does maybe both of them do who knows uh, but yeah he's quite a handsome chap I think he's done some modelling in the past, but he is, he has, um, but he's a really, he's a such a, he's a super nice guy, isn't he? I think if yeah. there was, if I had a brother in the van life world, it would be him. Like, we are quite close now. We speak to each other a lot and when we call, it's like at least an hour, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, Jack's, Jack was super cool. And we got to know Jack quite well because me and jack we kind of know we knew of each other online just through instagram is like most things go nowadays but we kind of just agreed maybe we should like meet up and it'd be quite cool to get a picture of a couple of synchros together in the arctic circle because he lived there at the time and we remember meeting we thought we'd meet in this kind of church car park which was an amazing backdrop for a couple of nice photos and um we spent the whole time talking about how reliable our synchros were and how we hadn't really broken down other than our honeymoon and I think Jack had been on the road four or five years and never had anything go wrong for him. And it's because we were so meticulous over maintenance. And just as we left, <laughs> just as we left the car park, he had a, a slight coolant leak, which on cue, on cue, he broke down. It was like they were listening to us. And um, you know, to be super, because we we are, if anything is ever wrong with the vehicle, fix it straight away. That's one thing we've learned from being on the road. Don't nurse any problems. Fix them as soon as you can. So we towed his van to a petrol station, left it there for a couple of weeks whilst we waited for the park to arrive from just campers because it was in the middle of nowhere. And we helped him fix his van at the end. So we spent two weeks kind of hanging around with Jack, didn't we? And he sent us places. Yeah, he showed us loads of places to go in Lofoten. Yeah, 
sent us to all cool places. Yeah. We met up with him in the evening. We cooked dinners together, and yeah. oh, it's just such a great time. And he's someone I think we're going to travel with in the future. Yeah, a joint trip somewhere, and because he's going to need someone to drop, you know, like he says, he's going to need someone to tow him now if he's got any problems <laughs> with his synchro. <laughs> Probably be us that breaks down. Yeah, that that'll be that'll be textbook, <laughs> wouldn't it? Um, yeah, Jack was definitely yeah. for me probably like one of the most memorable and highlights, you know, in terms of people we've met probably on the road. Is there anybody else that you remember? Uh, the oh, <laughs> there is somebody that I can think of. Yeah, um, I think Nuno. Well, yeah. So I don't know what it is, but when we're on the road, I've got this thing where. I have no problem whatsoever with making friends with anybody on the road. As long as they don't do me any harm or take advantage, you know, both ways, then I, I will happily meet and get on with anyone and I'll put my, take myself out of my comfort zone. I, I remember once I did a van trip to Amsterdam because we saw a guy online called The Hardenator <laughs> and me and my mate John were drinking and we were just like, I'd love to go meet him. And it was like, ah, oh, we should. I've got a week off next week. Let's go to Amsterdam and try and meet this hardenator. And um, we took a guy with us, Brett, who'd like, never left the country before, had never been abroad. And like, he had his first trip abroad in a van with me and John. And we had this proper lads road trip. And we met the hardenator who turned out to be absolutely insane. And he turned up at the... At the he turned up at the train station with a bottle of vodka in a brown bag and three dirty cups and then kind of poured us all a drink, right? And then said we had to leave the train station quick because the police might be looking for him because he didn't have a ticket. And I remember just looking at John and Brett, who both didn't drink it. Did you suddenly pour it away in a plant pot? John and like Brett did. I necked it. I went for it. I thought, well, I've got two lads here who'll look after me if it goes wrong. <laughs> Let's go for it. And uh, yeah, I just went with it. But yeah, so I've got a habit, I guess, of just putting myself out there if I need to. But I remember um, this really charismatic, almost crazy guy turning up to where we were. We were parting on the clifftops of Sintra in the middle of nowhere. Like nobody was around at all. We hadn't seen anyone all day. All of a sudden, this crazy guy comes running up, waving his arms, shouting, oh, Chef Ca Chef Campers, Chef Campers. And what it was, he had a van, a T25, and he kind of knew us because of our van, I think, which is like the, the thing with most people with the vans. And uh, he was he was just really excited, but like couldn't get his words out straight. And then said, I'll be back tomorrow. I'll be back tomorrow. Oh, will you be here tomorrow? And I remember saying, yeah, yeah, I, I, we will be, I think. And thinking, mm, should we stay? Should we go? <laughs> Well, nah, sod it, let's stay. Yeah. And he turned up the next day, didn't he? And he told his uncle that he was taking his uncle out for dinner. And his uncle was a bit older, maybe 55, 60, retired. Yeah, and they they both came, didn't they? And his uncle was in this really nice suit. Really, po really posh suit. <laughs> really posh suit, posh shoes. And he had to climb over yeah. rubble and, and rocks. <laughs> and they brought along really expensive Portuguese wine, Portuguese cheese, some presebis, gooseneck barnacles. Yeah. And um, Ben, uh, he'd basically, Nuno had basically told his uncle that I was going to cook for them. Yeah. I don't remember agreeing to this, but I went along a bit and I cooked us all a sunset supper and we sat down, we all ate. It's lovely. I, it, do you know what? Considering it was a ready steady cook night and I had to just make do of what we had in and what they brought along, we pulled off quite a good dinner really and we just sat down and his uncle was adamant that we were going to move to that area and open up a <laughs> restaurant so him and his friends could come because he, he was quite a. I think he was a bit of a big shot. 
he'd spent a lot of his time traveling the world and eating at restaurants and stuff so yeah that was that was maybe a memorable plate of food as well it but was, yeah like eating on, yeah and cooking on the cliffs of sintra we could the sea do a whole podcast yeah. on nuno we yeah. really could do a whole podcast on nuno and what went on to become that was a prime example of when traveling is different to a holiday trip because we were due to leave Sintra that day or the following day after we were going to have one last sunset supper and then leave Sintra the following day and because he said he was going to come we waited out and we ended up spending another three weeks in that area hanging out with Nuno because Nuno had an interesting he used to forage pesebis off the clifftops of Portugal one of the most dangerous jobs in the world one of the most valuable um, food products in the world really expensive by the kilo and he would go and harp, you know, harvest them off the cliff tops and go and sell them in the city centre of of Lisbon every night and one night we joined him and that's just a whole podcast in itself what went on there isn't it you know, yeah. that's a whole story in itself but yeah anyway Nuno I reckon he was he was memorable yeah definitely um, so let's have a look for next I just thought well we've been to quite a few places now Europe is an amazing place you know and what I love about Europe is that you can drive like an hour two hours the language can change the currency used to change obviously it doesn't now but the language can change the culture can change the food can change what people like cook with and what they grow can change and people's perceptions of camper vans can change so I love that about Europe you don't have to go far to experience culture change um, but it isn't a huge place you know it's Europe's not massive there's lots to explore, lots to do, but it's probably a place that if you don't go beyond Europe, you might revisit somewhere within it. So I thought, well, if we had to revisit somewhere, where do you think that might be? Is there a place that you went to and thought, do you know what? I'd like to go back there again, even if it's just to take a picture because I didn't quite get a proper picture or, or to go and experience a night there again. Yeah, so we were just talking about Nuno and, and Sintra being on the cliffs. Mm. And it was in Sintra, I think. Um, there was this beach that I found and you had to... I'd heard about it, but I hadn't seen it on the map or anything. And you had to go for like a 40-minute hike and it was really... It was okay, but it was really steep. So I... I think I went one time and didn't find it. It took about an hour for you to get down, maybe two hours. The first time you went, you couldn't find it. I couldn't find it. And then the second time, yeah, I I finally found it. And it was just amazing. It was a bit like, you know, a movie, like the the beach. Where it's this, just, there was nobody there. It was just me. And it was just like a private beach. It was right in the sun. And the waves are just hitting the rocks. And it was gorgeous. But you you didn't come with me, you no. were staying in the van. Yeah. So I'd love to go back there and take you. I know, I know, that is a regret. We, When we had the Westie, because we stored a lot of stuff on the outside of the Westie, and because, let's be honest, you could break into a Westie with a, with a, you know, like spoon. A, a spoon. And we have done, actually, a few times <laughs> when we left our keys and locked them inside, we just broke in with a spoon or like a rock or a pebble um, before we fitted proper decent deadlocks and like proper secure chains and stuff, which... You know, is another topic, but we were always conscious that it was easy to break into, and because we had like a you know laptop and drone and digital SLRs at that time, it was like that's all of our you know expensive possessions. We didn't really have anything in storage, so we thought 
we never really left the van out of sight in the early days just because break-ins were common and there was broken glass on the floor and I just didn't feel comfortable. I know it would have spoiled the, the hike down. I'd have been in a rush to get back as soon as I got yeah. there. Whereas now, you know, the yeah, vehicle we've yeah. got now, we'd lock the vehicle, lock the pod, really safe, really secure. And uh, I think I'll just go down and join you. Yeah. I mean, it does sound a bit cliche, doesn't it? The the perfect beach, but it was after trying to find yeah. it that first day and then finding yeah. it, it was <laughs> You were really beautiful. upset the first day you couldn't find yeah. it. When you're coming back, it's, like, it's not, I can't, can't, don't know how to yeah. get to it. Because we'd seen pictures of it, but when you did find it and you it, came back, yeah, yeah you didn't. You, you so maybe didn't we'll hesitate to remind then. me it was a good place and I should have gone to. I, I flew my drone down there just to have a little look and it was it did look amazing. Yeah. So yeah, I'd like to go back there. Yeah. What about you then? Um, it's a funny one, this, because Scandinavia as a whole... If I could say yeah. Scandinavia, I'd say Scandinavia. Yeah. But if I had to drill in Norway or Sweden or Finland or Denmark... Yeah, Maybe parts of Norway. So I think we skipped past the southern parts of Norway because we were in a bit of a rush to get to the top to try and catch the northern lights and all that sort of stuff. So maybe explore a bit more of southern Europe, uh, southern Norway. And I say that because, you know, it really does mean a lot because Norway is a place that I couldn't afford to buy, like, beers there because it was like six, seven pounds a can in the supermarket. And it was just too much for me to just, you know, maybe I could buy one or two, but it, it just wasn't a place I could really chill back with some beers or some wine. So I couldn't really drink there and I couldn't really afford the red meat there. But despite those two things, which are two of the most important <laughs> things to me at the moment, I still find it as one of the most amazing places we've ever been to. And, you know, our salmon was nice and we had a lot of risotto because rice was cheap and... Um, pasta dishes and I had to be really creative and we didn't waste anything did no, we no we saved everything and I quite like that and I love the fact that we could just park up the van leave it go on a hike for eight oh, hours yeah. it was really safe there. yeah it, it was the first really time we, we felt we could leave the vehicle and, and not worry about it being broken into which was was a nice feeling mm. to have and but just Norway in terms of scenery is just spectacular and I remember driving and the window screen on the T25 is enormous, isn't it? It's like a it's like a hundred inch plasma TV right in front of your face because you sit so close to the window screen. I remember just driving four hours and just wanting to drive another two or three hours just because I wanted to see what was around the corner of that mountain because it was just breathtaking. It was, wasn't it? Yeah, it's a place I really enjoyed driving, cruising along at 40 miles an hour, just just ticking over and looking out the window and stopping off at the little picnic benches and having a lunch and carrying on in long daylight hours you feel like you could live forever there so i think i think we'll go back there one day well, that was very handy when you're in you're camping in the van to have extra daylight yeah it really made a difference it did didn't it it did yeah i mean it went from having total darkness to 24 hour sun Sunlight. so it was a, yeah. yeah it was interesting yeah, I think back to Norway. I'd like to get back there sometime. Right. Uh, I mean, there's other places we'd like to go to. Yeah. But we'll talk about that maybe in a sec. Um, right. Let's just kind of... I think I'm conscious that there might be people who are listening to this. They might they ne might never have been on a van trip. Uh, they might have been like us. They might have only ever had a weekend or a week or two weeks, which is fine, by the way. You really can squeeze in a lot of fun yeah. out of a weekend or a week away. You don't have to do what we did. It's way extreme and it's not for everyone at all. So I think having a week or two weeks and a good itinerary or a place you want to see and get to know it is good. 
But knowing what we know now, it's been what new? Is it? I don't is even. Is it like three years? Three years on the road without living, and we. I had a mortgage when I was nineteen. I was on the on the housing ladder, so we were very set in our ways of having a house and a pension and proper jobs yeah. and all this sort of stuff. To walk away from all of that was a bit intense. But knowing what you know now, what what advice do you think you would have about someone maybe setting off on a trip or thinking about doing it or, or whatever? If you could tell yourself something now, go back to 2017, 2018, give yourself a bit of advice, what would it be? Well, I'm obviously glad that we did it. Mm. Uh, it was a, it was definitely a good move for us. Um, something probably specifically for us is we overpacked way too much. Yeah. I think we really packed out the van and really we didn't need all that stuff. I mean, we'd already got rid of loads of the stuff in our house, but we still packed the van. We did go from quite a big house. With a, it had a double garage workshop and a single <laughs> garage. It was a detached house. Loft full of stuff. Yeah. We had entertainment systems, projectors, and all sorts, like loads of stuff, gadgets, and all sorts. Yeah, Cooking so much stuff. gadgets. It was really difficult to try and condense that into a tiny little van and not have storage. So we did well, but yeah, we did yeah, overpack. Even now, like, we have. we've Well, we've gone down a lot, but I mean, I don't wear all the clothes that I have here. Yeah. So we don't use the stuff. You use a lot less than what you think you yeah, do. Yeah, so, yeah, basically that. You mm. use a lot less than what, than you, what think you think you do. you do. Like, you can get by with yeah seven days or ten days worth of clothes. So maybe Clothing. that would surprise people, but you do, you, you use a lot yeah. less. They I, would be surprised with themselves, maybe. I remember packing, like, my whole asado set up, my cob barbecue. I think I was going to carry my Kadak, but Kadak upset me at the time, so I... I kind of chucked it. I gave it to Tom mm. Dib, actually. Yeah. Gave a Kadak to Tom Dib after the guy from Kadak said something quite rude to me. Anyway, anyway that's a different story. We digress. Um, we digress. Um, I carried this auto set up. I carried digital SLR cameras, like two of them, like four GoPros, the drone, loads of different tripods, then a pasta machine, <laughs> yeah. a blender, yeah. uh, like two chopping boards, all my chef's knives. It's wishful thinking, really. Loads of different plates, big pans, small pans, in case we want to cook for a crowd. And, yeah, we... Now, I, you know, I've, I've switched completely. Yeah. I've, I only carry an iPhone and a small little drone, and I edit all the stuff on a phone and film it on a phone, and podcast on a phone as well yeah um yeah we've really condensed it all haven't we yeah so yeah i think so um pack your van and then take 50 percent off of it and then go for a little trip and then take another 10 percent yeah. off and that will probably still be too much it's uh you can improvise on the road how about you oh there's lo- do you know what? There's loads. There is loads. I could do yeah, a whole hour talking about things I wish I knew before I set off. And if people want to hear that, yeah. let us know. We'll do a whole thing on it. But if I could just touch on one, it might be... I know it's going to upset a few people. Steph always gives me this mm. look when I say this. But maybe... I w- do you know what? Maybe we shouldn't have done it in that van. I wish that we'd had the Amarok and the... Po- we couldn't have had it then. But no. I, 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 do you know what? Maybe it's not that. I think what it is is having a T twenty five for so long and working my way up 
from like two wheel drive to synchro to 16 inch synchro to synchro westy atlantic i was kind of really set on having a van and i didn't feel like i'd be traveling unless we were doing it in a, a t3 synchro and a t3 synchro westy i didn't think it would be i thought we'd be doing it taking shortcuts if we took a long wheelbase sprinter or i feel like it wouldn't be right if we did it in two wheel drive and all this sort of stuff and I, like, I think what I've learned since then is that a lot of people we meet on the road don't drive T25s and they drive different vans and they are still having an amazing time. Well, it's about the traveling. Yeah. So the vehicle is probably the least important part about the trip for me now. It's just got to be a really practical tool. It's just got to perform its duties and sit in, you know, and, and just do them well. That's all I want from the vehicle and I'm not really, you know, it's nice that we've got a Volkswagen, we've got an Amarok, it's really nice. Yeah. But, you know, I think if we had a two-wheel drive Mercedes Sprinter, I think we'd still have an amazing time. We wouldn't yeah. get to a lot of the spots that we thought were amazing, but maybe we would have explored a different part which was more suitable and maybe we'd have had a great time there. So don't get caught up on what vehicle you drive. You know, it doesn't really matter if it's a car, a motorbike bicycle a motorhome maybe even a trailer um i wouldn't go as far as a caravan you might struggle a little bit having lots of fun with a caravan but who knows but yeah don't get so caught up on what vehicle you're using and don't spend too much money on that vehicle up front go traveling and work out what you need yeah that's a good one yeah before you kit yeah. it out and go away for a bit yeah go away for a bit and then come back so plan the first part of your journey keep some money in reserve for upgrades and then decide when you you know come back after six or eight weeks and decide if you want those upgrades and you might look at those upgrades and look at three thousand miles worth of petrol or two thousand pounds for whatever it you know for whatever mod you know some headlights or whatever which are way too fancy for what you need um yeah and like speak to people who have actually done it as well, like that's I think quite important. Yeah. So like so like Jed for example, speak if you speak to someone like Jed from Camper Van Culture, he will tell you like what what you kind of you'd want to go with and what you know you could afford to go without. And I remember him telling us you don't need don't that. Need he that, talked yeah. me out of so much stuff at the beginning, telling me not to buy this off him and that off him. He was like, no, no, Mike, don't, don't. Maybe don't do that. You you don't need that, mate. Honestly, save your money for this or something else. I'll tell you what, though, a trasheroo. Yeah, trasheroo. That's a good piece of get a trasheroo. That <laughs> is probably the most, the most important. The least amount of money <laughs> for most of maximum gain. That yeah. is the best. Like that is the best. Whatever it is, seventy or eighty quid that you can spend, and that will really change your life on the road. A trasheroo. Um, we're coming up close to an hour now, Steph. So I just thought that's pretty much it now Rupert's snoring his little head off and we'll have to wake him up and take him for a sneaky walk it's after six o'clock so we'll have to fill out our paperwork and you're gonna yeah. have to stay close to the van let's end we've got we've got like four four minutes or so so let's just say thanks to anyone who's managed to last this long with such a poor microphone yeah thank you thank you if, you, if you've actually listened to if you've listened to this and you've got to this point let us know because uh, we might have just been talking to ourselves for an hour and it's completely pointless. Um, if you like the podcast, let us know. Give us a review or rate. What do they say? Yeah. Give us a review. Give us five stars. Do all that. Leave a review. Let us know on Instagram. Just follow us on Instagram. Oh, yeah. Follow us on Facebook. Check out our YouTube channel. Um, 
if you would like to hear us discuss about a specific topic such as oh, yeah. love on the road or van life Some security van life or a place in particular or food in particular or uh, some tech or product that we might use or don't use yet or even having a dog on the road having a dog on the road like um we could talk about that yeah and we might try and get a guest on yeah if well yeah. if we this is a pilot so if it goes yeah. well we'll maybe reach out to a guest if nobody listens to it nobody listens to it then we won't waste the guest's time but we'll if you like this we'll maybe get a guest on yeah we'll have a guest on next time um, if you'd like to be a guest, let us know. Yeah, yeah, if you want to be a guest. If you think you've got an interesting camper van adventure cooking yeah. story, it doesn't always have to be, you know, you don't even have to have a camper van. I might no. get one of my friends on. Yeah. Yeah, have a day yeah. with them during lockdown. Yeah. Right. You might have a boat. Maybe, you might have a maybe boat. Maybe you're into boat life. Yeah, boat life. So, or canal yeah. life. Yeah. Or tricycle life. Yeah. Sidecar life. Tandem life. Tandem life. Um... Lorry life, truck life, <laughs> shopping trolley life, which is what you yeah, had at summer. Yeah. Do you remember that? When we sold the West Deer, we had to move into the Amarok, but we couldn't. We didn't have yeah. the camping pod, so we had to put all of our possessions in a shopping trolley. And you pushed it around the warehouse. Yeah, like a hobo. Like a hobo. Um, yeah, do that. Um, and let's see what's the future of Chef Cumber's going to look like. That could be interesting. Are yeah. we going to stay in France? Are we going to return to UK or are yeah. we going to go to Morocco or Turkey or Cyprus? Who knows? Yeah, who knows? Right, I think let's call it quits there and see, uh, see how this lands. Um, do you want to swig at this bit before we go? Yeah. Yeah? Okay. Whilst you're swigging that, I will say cheers on behalf of Steph and maybe... Cheers. Well, you could have said cheers on behalf of me while I switched. Cheers on behalf of Mike. Yeah. And, um, uh, cheers on behalf of Rupert. Yeah. Take care, everyone, and thanks for listening. You've been listening yeah. to the Chef Campers podcast, Camper Van Cooking Adventures, with me, Steph, and... With you, Steph. Oh, no, me, Mike. <laughs> me, Steph. I can't edit. I can't redo and, that again. Uh... <laughs> right, take care, everyone. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.